somebody last week. Uh, this week we're going to talk about tis the season to be confident. Now, how many of you guys, if you're honest, you would ever say or be honest enough to say that there's been times in your life where you have lacked some confidence? You ever lacked some confidence? Ever get a little nervous? Ever be a little fearful about your future or what's next or your own abilities? Uh, we're going to talk about that today. Before I do that, before we get too far in this conversation, I feel like it is right and ripe for us to have a few more Christmas jokes, okay? So last week we kicked off a few little Christmas jokes, found some good ones this week. Last week were probably the most funny jokes you've ever heard in all your life. So I found better ones, okay? These are the best Christmas jokes you will have ever heard, all right? You heard it right here. None of these are mine, but here's some funny ones. All right, so here's joke number one. Why are Christmas trees so bad at sewing? Why are Christmas trees so bad at sewing? The reason is because they drop all their needles. It's hard to sew without your needles. All right, number two. I always feel like David Letterman right now. All right, countdown. How many of you guys knew who David Letterman is? Anybody? All right. How many, raise your hand if you do not have a clue who David Letterman is. Come on, if you're under the age of 30, you may not know. All right, yeah. All right, so what, anybody know who Jimmy Fallon is? Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, what do you get when you cross a snowman and a vampire? Frostbit. Frostbit. All right. I know these are, these are awesome. They're hilarious. I know. All right. Hold your applause. I mean, I, I know it's hard. Okay. Uh, why does Santa have three gardens? This is a tough one. Why does Santa have three gardens? Because he likes to ho, ho, ho. Get it? Ho, like ho. Okay. Uh, all right. How does snowman get around? They ride icicles, icicles, ride icicles. All right, uh, all right, here's, we're going to go a little uh, biblical here. What did Adam say to his wife on the day before Christmas? It's Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve. Eve, that's his wife, Adam and Eve. Christmas, yeah, I know. Y'all are just waking up to these hilarious jokes. I'm helping you along the way. All right, here's one for our, our younger generation. What does Miley, Miley Cyrus have at Christmas? Always has at Christmas. A twerky. Twerk, twerky, twerky. If you don't know what that is, I will not demonstrate for you. All right. Miley Cyrus has a twerky at Christmas. I like that. All right. Last but not least, here's the best one. You're going to love this. You'll want to tell this to everybody. But what do you call a bunch of chess players bragging about their games in a hotel lobby i know i'm gonna say it one more time because i want you to catch this one what do you what do you call a bunch of chess players bragging about their games in a hotel lobby chestnuts boasting in an open foyer yeah i know that's awesome all right write that one down commit it to memory all right tis the season to be confident all right tis the season to be confident why because almost all of us if you're honest, have found yourselves in times where you're just uncertain, uncertain about your abilities, uncertain about your future, uncertain about what's going on around you, uncertain about most things. It just seems like there is this knack in our world where we have these internal struggles, the internal voices, where we wrestle and have this tension uh, that we feel uncertain. 
uncertain about our future, uncertain about others around us. And what happens to all of us is we end up battling in one way, shape, or form, you know, insecurities. Some of us, chronic insecurities. Uh, we have this inner self-talk at times. You know, we'll, we'll say things and look in the mirror and say, I don't like what I see. And if you're honest, probably most of us have at least a part of our body or parts of our body that we don't like, right? Some of us are like, if I just had like these 43 things fixed, right? I'd be happy with myself, right? I'd be feel good if I had all these fixed, right? Um, we compare ourselves, you know, we look at ourselves and feel like uh, if I had just a, a greater abilities like that person, uh, parents, you probably feel that way, right? Uh, I often feel very inadequate as a dad. Uh, sometimes we'll even overcompensate by areas that we feel inadequate. Uh, and oftentimes when we overcompensate, then what we do is we either uh, we quit trying or we criticize the things that we see in somebody else or other things that are better than what we have or what we can do. So what happens to us is we, we, uh, we, we find ourselves sometimes weak in the knees, sometimes a little nervous, sometimes like I, I just don't know if I have what it takes. So uh, oftentimes there are three types of insecure people that I see out there. I've been, I've been uh, all these at different times and multiple times, but here are three different types of insecure people. We got the people pleasers. You guys will recognize these. The fishers, always fishing for the compliment, and we have the one-uppers, always one-upping somebody. The people uh, pleasers, uh, you may see these around your your business, your office. Uh, they're always yes, boss, yes, boss. What can I do, boss? What do you need, boss? Oh, you need money? I got money. I got mo- how much money do you want? Can I help you? Can I help you? Can I help you? Right? You you sense the uh, the the uh, people pleasers. Uh, anybody know some people pleasers? Try not to point. Okay. Uh, the fishers, fishers are, are easy to spot on social media, right? They're always posting a photo that says something like, I just feel so blah today, <laughs> right? Right? And they're just like, I just feel so blah. And then someone's like, oh, baby, you're so, you know, you look great or you're all right or it's going to be a good day. And they're just, they're out there fishing, right? Trolling around, trying to fish for someone to notice and help and encourage. Uh, the one-uppers. Uh, you know, one-uppers, you can find those in anybody. You can even find them in, in, in parents. Uh, my kid read a whole chapter of the Bible. Well, my kid, like, memorized a whole chapter in Hebrew. Uh, or, hey, guess what? We're getting away for the weekend. Wow, that's awesome, but ain't, that ain't nothing. Uh, we're going on a three-month vacation on an island that we just bought. Or even when people are sick. You ever notice when people are sick, they want up like their sickness? Hey, I've been so sick. I've been sick for a week. No way. Wow, I've been sick for a month. In fact, it's a whole new sickness. They just declared it. No one's even had a name for it, but they've named it after me. So here's what's tragic. The tragedy is in all this is how often our insecurities keep us from following our heart and rob us of doing what maybe God's led us to do or what we're gifted at doing. And what happens to us because of these insecurities, they turn into fear. And for a lot of us, we don't step forward. We don't advance. We, we kind of get shell-shocked in our fears and our insecurities, so much so that we miss, we miss incredible opportunities. We, we miss God-sized opportunities. We miss dreaming and executing and doing some of the things that uh, are awesome and great. 
and, and satisfying. So here's what I, where I want to go to the, today. This is uh, a conversation where naturally you would think what we would need to do more of is to d- develop more of a self-confidence, right? Right? I mean, that would be the natural solution. But I want to make a twist on this today. I want us to say and understand that we don't need more self-confidence. All right? I don't think we, I don't think most of us probably really need more self-confidence. And the reason I feel that way is because, you know, all of us have probably had times in our life where we've been really, 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 really confident. And then you've fallen off the cliff to realize like, ah, I don't really have all that it takes. And I think there's a really healthy place of getting to the place where you recognize that you are not all that. Because when you get to the place of recognizing that it's not all about your confidence and your ability and your stuff, then you get to the place of understanding that it's all about confidence in God. And so what I believe that I want us to see as we start this conversation today, in your notes you can jot these down, we don't need self-confidence. In fact, we should cultivate God-confidence. God-confidence. Because God wants to afford us and help us to get to a place where we recognize, I don't have and I'll never have all that's needed to work through this life and to be awesome, to be great, whatever you know you hope for. But God does. But God does. God's got all of that and then some. And so what he wants us to do is get to a place where we not lean on ourselves so much. That's not wrong. That's not bad. God gifted us. But where we lean on him. And that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an incredible place. When you can get to that place where you recognize that it all comes from God, and that he's your sugar daddy, that he's your father, that he's your friend, that he's your go-to in all circumstances, that's when you win in life. So, we don't need God, we don't need self-confidence. We need to cultivate God confidence. Let me show you where I get this from. First Corinthians 10, 12 in the message version says this, forget about self-confidence. Everybody say, forget about it. Like you're straight from Jersey. Forget about it. Forget about, I just like saying it like that. Anybody? Anybody with me? Forget about it. All right, so forget about self-confidence. Just literally, Scripture says, forget about self-confidence. All right? Forget about self-confidence. It says it's useless. Cultivate God-confidence. Cultivate God-confidence. Now, why, why would I, we not want to focus on self-confidence? Here's three quick reasons. Number one, my heart's deceitful. My heart's deceitful. I can't trust me. I can't be confident in something that I cannot trust. Anybody tracking? My heart's deceitful. I'm deceived at times when I think I'm all that in a bag of chips. Or my heart's oftentimes deceived me when I think I'm, I'm okay. I'm all good, right? My heart's deceitful. I can't place my confidence in me, number one, because my heart's deceitful. Number two, my flesh is weak. My flesh is weak. One day I'm on spiritually, one day I'm off. There are days that I'm tracking with God. There's days I'm just in a funk and I'm, not, I'm doing terrible. Anybody? Third thing is this. My behavior is inconsistent. There are times I am white hot, passionate for God. I'm like, woo, God, I love you. I recognize all my strength comes from you. Shiny thing, shiny thing, shiny thing. And I'm like, oh, whoa, what happened there, right? I'm just inconsistent. My behavior is inconsistent. Psalms, David, David recognized this when he wrote Psalms in verse 7 of chapter 57. He says, my heart is confident in you, 
O God, my heart is confident. No wonder I can sing of your praises. My heart is confident in you, O God. My heart is confident. David was confident, not in himself. His confidence was found in God. And, it, and here's the truth of the matter. If you're ever going to max out in your potential, your, your God-given potential, where you hope to be, where you subscribe to be in your life, is whatever it is, uh, a human being, a dad, a mom, a, a friend, a worker, a co-worker, a leader, a bit, whatever it is, if you are ever going to max out your potential in life, you will do it only by putting your confidence in God, developing your God confidence. So I want to give you three truths today. Three, take it to the bank, lock onto this, sink your teeth into it, let it marinate. Three truths to help you cultivate God confidence. If you want to have a life where you reach your potential, where you don't get robbed by fear, where you don't get the weak, weak in the knees and just stop and get stuck, You've got to develop a God confidence, and here's how you do it. Number one, understand, number one, that, that your God, our God, is always for me. God is always for us. God is always for us. The reality is, most of us really down deep don't believe that. Why? Because we've had life's bumps and bruises, right? We, we, we're, we have equated life's circumstances the the ups and downs the bad times the not good times the terrible times we've equated our circumstances in terms of what god thinks of us or how we think of him and it's a terrible thing to read the circumstances of life in terms of who god is the truth is our god is always for us and the reality is many 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 people have an inaccurate inaccurate view of god uh, and the reason is that they feel that we feel that God's love and acceptance is based on our performance, right? We think if I'm doing good, then God is pleased with me. And if I'm doing bad, all of a sudden God's not pleased with us. And that's not the truth. Romans 8.1 says this, hands down. Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Like almost like a get you fired up kind of message, like, like a like use this for your football games if if you know in in terms of getting motivated in life if god's force who can be against us as a daddy uh i'm always 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 for my kids i'm always for my kids even if they make me mad even if they make me sad i never wish or want ill will for my kids right i mean i might be devastated just hurt that my child does something that I don't like but I don't want bad for my kids I don't wish upon them negative bad doom gloom no I still always want my kids to be blessed whatever they do I still want my kids to to be blessed blessed in life I love my kids God loves us so here's the here's the truth I remember several 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 years ago when I was like middle school, high school age, uh, getting just like locked up and tense uh, when my dad would show up in my sport games, whatever I was playing in, in school. I, I remember particularly when I, when I pole vaulted in high school. I was a pole vaulter, uh, loved pole vaulting, uh, really excelled in it in high school, but it, it always, always happened 
that I'd be doing great and my dad would show up and I would just, I'd, I'd, get, I'd get tense. I'd notice my dad was there. And I'd want, I'd want my dad to just like me and love me and be pleased with me. And I remember going down that runway and just doing just terrible vaults. And I, I, I never really understood it. And finally, I think my dad or my mom, they must have talked. And they're like, hey, every time you show up, Jeff's terrible. <laughs> every time you show up, he's just like beside himself, just doing bad. I've heard of this with baseball players. They get up there and parents show up and they're getting ready to swing and they're like all tense and they strike and strike and miss and get messed up. So I remember my dad finally literally sitting me down one day. And, I, and to add to this, everywhere I would go with my dad growing up, we would run into people and they would say, Don Murphy, the 440 kid. Now, that was a, a race back in the day where you went once, or, once around the track. Now it's measured in meters, so it's 400 meters. But everywhere we go, my dad was like this unbelievable track star. So that might have added to it. So I remember my dad finally sitting me down one day, and he literally said, Son, I am already 100% pleased with you. There is nothing you can do that will make me more pleased or love you any more than I already do. And I think he went and did that for quite a while. Until finally, I, I finally had something clicked and I started relaxing when my dad showed up because I wasn't trying to win his approval. I finally grasped that I already have it, had it. And here's the thing. It is exactly like this with our God. It's exactly like this with our God. In fact, we have to get to a place where we understand that we're not playing for our Father's approval. We're playing from our Father's approval. If you're a Christ follower, if you've ever bowed the knee to Jesus and said, yes, like I, I believe you're, some, you're the Son of God, I believe you went on the cross and took the sins of the world, if you believe that Jesus went to his grave and rose from the dead, then he did that once and for all, and that was proof that he loved you. And there's nothing that you can do to add to his need to do anything else beyond what he's already done to showcase his grace and his love for us. There is nothing we can do to earn God's approval. There is nothing we can do to get a more right standing, righteous standing with God. Jesus already did that for us. When God looks at us, he looks at us as a father who loves us unconditionally no matter what, he is already pleased with us. Why? Because Jesus already gave his life for us on the cross. So what we are doing is we're not playing for the approval from God. We're playing out of the approval from God. Not for, but from. So what, what does this look like in terms of our everyday life? God is for me. God is always for me. God, I'm, I'm, I want to reconcile my broken relationship. God is for you. He wants to help you do that. He wants you to, to, to work, through, work through things, and he wants to aid in you doing that. God is for us. Uh, God, I want to start a new business. God's for you. God's not against us. God's not against us. He is for us. Hebrews goes on to explain it like this. In, in terms of our confidence and belief in God, Hebrews 10.35. So, do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord 
remember great reward it brings you. See, here's the thing. It's so easy for us to look at negative circumstances and assume God doesn't love us. We're a terrible read of God through our circumstances. When circumstances aren't bad, that does not mean God does not love you. God is what? God is for us. So Scripture says, so do not throw away confident trust in God. In fact, it's just the opposite. When we go through difficult times, what does God want? God wants us to trust even more in Him. In fact, have you, have you, have you found that when you've gone through difficult times, you've found God greater than you ever have before? Right? I mean, what God wants for us is for our confidence to grow. God is not in the business of shrinking confidence. God is in the business of growing our confidence. He wants us to trust in Him and have our confidence be stronger and stronger in Him. So, how do we cultivate God confidence? Number one, my God is for me. Number two, my God always helps me. My God always helps me, right? God always is in the business of helping us. How do I know that? Hebrews 13, 5, 6 says this. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Say that with me today. I think some of us right now, today, this is for you. I, I believe with all my heart there are people that have showed up today and you're, you're giving God one last chance based off your circumstances. What God wants you to understand is He loves you no matter what and He's your helper. Say this sentence with me. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. One more time. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Um, it's, it's amazing how when you have a helper... It removes fear. Uh, probably two years ago, I got really, really, really worried in the middle of the night. It was winter, and it was around that time that like everybody's pipes was busting were busting in Columbus because it got so cold. I don't know if you remember this, but we were down in the the teens for like I don't know maybe a week or two in Columbus at night, and I had blown it off. Uh, until I'd like run into a guy that I knew was a plumber and he was like, dude, you should really start like turning all your faucets on and allowing water to run through your pipes because even though they're inside of your, your drywall and inside of a brick or inside of whatever your exterior is, they can freeze inside the wall. So I, you know, one night I'm like, I did all that. And I'm like, ah, whatever, no big deal. I don't really need to be so concerned with this. Well, then I'm laying in bed one night and I'm realizing, man, we live way up, you know, down this dirt road on the top of this hill, and we have to, like, get our city water, like, it's like a mile down this dirt road. And our city water comes up, and the way, this is crazy, the way my city water works, we have one meter at my, uh, between two houses. Crazy enough. Don't tell the water company, okay? Just kidding. So we have one meter, literally, that comes up to my neighbor's house, and then I have a a pressure pump that sucks water from his house and puts it up because I'm on top of this hill. I have to have a water pump that pressurizes water coming to my house. So I'm laying there in bed one night and I got my faucets dripping and it's like 13 degrees outside. And all of a sudden, I got like really, really scared because I began to realize how all this plumbing was run and that the pipe came out of the ground into this exposed water pump that had water flowing through it 
and would flow out pipes and back into my house. And I just realized, picturing all this like exposed water pump, exposed pipes, and I'm thinking, well, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and I'm going to have a several thousand dollar problem on my hands. And I laid there and laid there and laid there for about two hours and I just thought of no solution. And I got nervous. And I'm like, I can't wake Christy up. She won't know what to do. I don't know who to call. It's so late. I've wasted and squandered all my time away. And I was kind of mad at myself for wasting all my time. And, I, and you lay there long enough and I'm thinking my, my house is going to fall down, right? So I called my neighbor. At 1 a.m. in the morning, I called my next door neighbor, Gil McKinstry. He was like, Mr. Super Fix-It Man. I mean, Gil, Gil literally is one of these guys that like, he could build a house like, like with toothpicks. And it would be awesome and you would want to buy it. He does things sharp. He's, 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 he's really, really smart. He's very creative. And he's just, he's just one of those guys, when you have a jam, you call Gil. All right? So I called Gil at 1 a.m. And he asked me a few questions and asked if, my, if I was you know, letting my, you know, had my faucets on, was wa- water flowing. And I'm like, Gil, but remember how my, my pump is run? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. You don't have that covered? You don't have that, like, the, the pipes wrapped? You don't have a heater on that? I'm like, come again. I'm from South Florida, Gil. I, we've never wrapped pipes, right? We wear flip-flops year-round, okay? So he's like, hey, you've got to do something. I'm like, okay. So I hang up, and in about 30 minutes, Gil shows up at my house. It's like 1.30 in the morning. We're outside. It's teens. And we're going, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? I mean, it's, it's like th- stuff is freezing, right? There's, there's just everything's freezing. And so all of a sudden, Gil comes up with this crazy idea. He covers it up with this big, huge, like, Tupperware box that we found and then found this old light that you could plug in and, like, hang. And that light heated inside that box and I still have it that way to this day. I went to bed that night, and I'm like, thank you, Gil. Thank you, Gil. You are my rescuer, right? So here's the thing. It's amazing when you have fear, and all of a sudden, someone shows up and helps you. When you get help, it removes fear. So here's what we have to know about our Savior. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. See, here's the thing you, we can never, never, ever forget. When you are in need, that is when God is at His greatest in your life. He wants to show off and be your helper. He wants to be your helper. Now, I know sometimes you're like, where is it right now? Where is it right, right, right now? I don't know how God's timing works. I know God's not a genie in a bottle. But here's the truth. This scripture says, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. Psalms 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in what? Trouble. Trouble. So it's kind of like um, you can recognize like things you didn't see once you've kind of gone through them. I remember when I lost my mom when I was 19, 20 years old. Uh, looking in the rear view, rear view mirror now, I can see how God was was shaping me, was preparing me, and also was healing my heart in that struggle. I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now. I can think through a time in, our, in my wife and I's life where we uh, we were just heartbroken over 
the loss of some very, very close friends, some, some major hurt and betrayal in our life. I can look back now in the rearview mirror and recognize how God was, how God healed my heart to where we, we love people and can be in relationships with people in our own church, right? I, I can see how God, in hindsight, is that ever-present strength and help when I'm in trouble. So here's the thing. Um, God wants us to cultivate the God confidence. How do we do that? We do it by understanding that God is always for me, that God always helps me. And the third thing I want you to jot down today is my God is still working in me. We cultivate the God confidence by recognizing that he's still working in you. He's not done with you. Isn't that good news? I mean, it's good news for me because I blow it all the time. I remember one time that, uh, that I, I just, I was an absolute idiot to my wife. And uh, I remember her looking at me with this, like, disgust in her face that I'll never, ever forget. We had just been married probably a year and some change, and we were in the process of moving from South Florida to Columbus, Georgia. Um, this years ago. I was a youth pastor here back in the 90s. So we're, we're on our way. The first kind of, like, I'm moving away from home experience, like, for good. I'm a young married guy, and I'm taking my bride and saying goodbye to my parents and my sisters and friends, and we're moving to Georgia. I remember we loaded up the smallest like U-Haul or rider truck. And uh, I remember just packing this thing and packing and packing and packing. And it wasn't, there wasn't an inch of, of space left anywhere in that truck. And I had these guys who packed it really, really well. They were helping me, friends of mine. We we're all just, I mean, just, you know, how you get it to where it's like tight. And my, I remember my dad asking me like, hey, uh, you, you think you should have got a bigger truck? I'm like, nah, nah, we're good, we're good, we're good. Get down the road, we're leaving South Florida, I'm down Orlando area, maybe two or three hours into my drive, and I'm realizing this truck feels awfully heavy up top. And it wasn't until I got on one of these uneven roads, you're going, all of a sudden you feel like one side dips down and it's like they're doing road construction. All of a sudden, it dipped down and I feel the whole truck like rocking like this. And I'm going, I'm not very bright, this truck feels like it could flip over on us. And I'm looking at my wife, and she's like, baby, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. But it doesn't feel good. And I remember seeing a, you know, an exit sign you know, another 20 miles up here, and you know how they have that Florida, Florida Turnpike exits. And I remember getting off and then hitting like a speed bump, and that whole truck just like rocking and like just shifting. And I had a guy, right when we got off, we were getting gas. He walked up and he said, hey, man, I've been following you for a little ways. He said, that truck's going to flip. You have too much weight in that truck. And I'm like, oh, what do I do? What, what do I do? I mean, I'm three hours from home. I've got this, like, truck that could tip over on me. Do I just pray and hope and, you know, whatever? So I got to this place where I'm like, all right, the smart thing to do is we, we got to call or get take this truck somewhere and, get another one and so I'm calling all these rider or you you know whatever we were using that time uh, and so finally what happened was my 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 parents they drove up three hours got another truck and we're all on the side of the road well before anybody got there I'm just like frustrated and I'm just like mad I can't believe this is happening I'm gonna have to wait for a truck wait three hours for somebody else to come 
unload what we've already just loaded, unload it, and then reload it in another truck again. So I'm, I'm going to, the truck got there. I'm going to get started. Nobody else is around. Christy's on the phone talking. Windows are down. It's hot outside. I'm in shorts and T-shirt and flip-flops. I open up the back gate, and all of a sudden, we had placed a bunch of, like, old-school weights, like lifting weights. And all of a sudden, like a 25-pound or a 10-pound or something slipped off and landed on my toes. And I'm already, I'm already, I'm already ill. I'm already ill. Well, all of a sudden, we had like a Jerry Springer on the side of the road moment. And something neurologically happened. Uh, there was some kind of stimulation and electrocution that happened in my toe that sent like neurons of messages up my leg and into my glutes and up my back and out my neck and out of my mouth. So much so that like, I remember like uh, this uncontrollable sensation to say something. And I remember as loud and as long as I could, I said the very first worst thing that I could out of my mouth. And it, it, it was just like this. I just went like, blah! You want to know what I said, don't you? I won't tell you, but I will say it was, it's in the top two or three. Worst ones. I'm not proud of that. And I remember as I stomped around and I yelled as loud as I could the worst word that I could say. I remember looking at my wife as she watched me in the rearview mirror with like her head and her mouth dropped open and looking like, and this is the guy that I married. <laughs> and this is the guy that I'm following up to Georgia to be a youth pastor. And I'll promise you, the rest of that trip, after it was all said and done, I, I, I crushed myself. And I said over and over and over again, how can I be the guy that God could ever use to point somebody to you? How can I ever be the guy that you could use when I'm on the side of the road just cursing to the top of my lungs? as loud and as long as I could. God, how can you use that God? How can you use that God? And here's the, here's the point. Here's what I love. Philippians 1.6. Here's the reminder for all of us being confident of this, that God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. God's not done with us. I don't care what you've done. God is not done with you. I don't care how far you've gone. God is not done with you. I don't care who you've hurt. I don't care how you've messed up. Scripture says, be confident of this, that God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. You've blown it. God's not done with you. You've hurt somebody around you. You've walked away from God. That's all right. God's never left you. He will never leave or forsake you. You've broken relationships. God's not done with you. You're stuck in sin right now. Listen, God is not done with you. My hope is that today you would get to a place that we'd recognize this is never about self-confidence. See, I should never put my confidence in me. I'm going to let me down. But if I'm going to grow, if I'm going to continue to move forward, if I'm not going to get, if I move from 
being stuck and, and paralyzed by fear, it will only be if I max out my ability through God. His power is made perfect in what? Scripture says, my weakness. My weakness. So, so most of us, when you blow it, what do you do? You shrink back. You quit. You're like, I've blown it as a dad again. Why, 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 why try? Just quit. That's what the enemy wants us to do. But God says, I will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches. So God is still working in us. So let me just be, let me just, let me have a moment of confession. All right, I, I know I'm the pastor. I, I, I get it all the time. I get, you know, preacher jokes. Well, it's easy for you. You're the pastor. Yeah, but I was a human being before that. And I know it's, it's easy for me to say and, and quote and talk. I, I mean, I got notes up here, right, that I'm working through. But if I could just be honest with you, I always feel inadequate. I always feel inadequate. Always, everywhere. When it comes to my marriage, I, I, I look at this incredible wife that I have and I say, I don't, I don't deserve her. I don't deserve her. I look at my kids and I feel like I, I, I'm, I just don't have what it takes. I, um, I feel like oftentimes I'm not giving enough to this church. Simultaneously, I feel like I'm not giving enough to my kids and my wife and my, my family. I feel, like I'm, I feel like I'm unworthy of my wife's love. I feel like I'm unworthy of being the pastor of this church. I do not deserve it, and I'm not worthy of it. But here's the thing. Yet I'm confident. I'm confident. Not in me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer trying to find my confidence in me. I've already run out of my abilities. I've already run out of my, my hopes. I've already run out of my, my Jeff can do. I, I'll, I'll just man up. I'll just, you know, I'll just grit it, grin and bear it. I, I've run out. And there's a sweet spot after you get beyond the place of brokenness and running out of what you've got. There's a sweet place that says, I can be confident in Him. So here, here's the simple message for today. D don't try to develop self-confidence. I mean, read some books. Be the best you can be. I get it. That God gave us gifts, and, and, and I, be I believe with all my heart, don't hear me say this, I believe we bring God glory when we're playing to our strengths. Hands down. God gifted you for a purpose. But I do believe this. I believe God applauds when we finally run out of ourselves and we recognize, I need you. I need you. Because we will let us down. We will let others down. But He will never let us down. So if we're going to win, I'm, I'm telling you, if we're going to win, if we're going to walk through life and be strong and able and go where God hopes we can go, it will only be through God confidence. Faithful is he who has called you who will also do it. See, we should lean on him for all things, for everything. 
Because he is, he is the ultimate daddy who longs to lavish and love and help his kids. Let's pray. Lord, I just, uh, we surrender this whole conversation to you. God, there's nothing in my power and my ability, God, that can, that can convey and get across what you want to get across today. My words are weak, but God, you are strong. And Lord, I, 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 I know that today you are working through this conversation. So Lord, I, I prayed you would give us now ears and eyes and a heart to see and hear and to understand. God, let us stand on these truths. Let us be reminded of these truths. God, let us today find confidence, growing confidence in you. Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, we praise you for being our God who saves, for being our God who loves, for being our God who cares, for being our God who longs to help. Lord, we praise you for that. We thank you for that. And with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, some of you, you are here today for this moment. And I say that with passion because you know it, God knows it, and what he wants to do right now in your heart is for you to get to a place to surrender to him. Some of you today need to surrender for the very first time to God. You would say, my moment is now. I feel God tugging my heart, and I feel like I want to say yes to Jesus today. How many of you would say today just by a simple raise of your hand, Jeff, pray for me. I want to give my heart to Jesus today. I, I need a Savior. I need salvation. That's where I'm at. Raise your hand. Right now, I'm going to pray for you. I won't call you out. Yes, I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me today. I'm, I'm praying for Jesus to be in my life. Yes, yes. Anybody else? Jesus, I need you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I see you. Anybody else? Jeff, pray for me. That's where I'm at today. I'm here for this moment. God, we, God, we celebrate the fact that you are with us. You are God with us. And Lord, as, as we recognize the realities of life, God, let us also recognize the reality of you. We live in a spiritual world of good and evil. God, we know that the enemy would do and stop and nothing to rob us from relationship with you. So God, I pray for the relationship of where those who raise their hands are today. And God, I pray that they would simply, but boldly and confidently say to you, Jesus, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior today. Come into my life and be my father and be my friend and be my forgiver. I surrender my heart to you today. God, right now in this moment, we celebrate the fact that people have found heaven and found you. We celebrate the fact, God, that you loved us so much that you painstakingly worked through generation after generation to bring these messages of your word to us. Thank you for giving us your scripture. God, thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit who guides us to you in the truth. 
And God, thank you for giving us each other, this church. God, I pray that you'd leverage us, leverage our stories, leverage even our flaws to lead others and ourselves back to you. Thank you, Jesus, for being our Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Hey, guys, we're going to end today uh, kind of thinking about a little Christmas box. Uh, if you notice, we got a nicely wrapped box on stage. Um, let me tell you what we're doing. We're closing today out with a, an end-of-the-year offering. Uh, it will go on beyond today. Um, but we're closing this year out with a special offering to challenge you, our church, uh, to consider giving a gift larger than anyone or yourself to Jesus this year. What we're planning on doing with this offering is we're planning on it going to three predominant areas. It's going to go to helping us get in and start a new building. All right? We're really, really working towards that. We want a huge end-of-the-year offering to help go towards getting ahead towards that goal in the new year. Secondly, we are planning and really going to go after a great full-time youth pastor, student pastor. Uh, we've already had someone, I love one of the guys on our stage, one of our band members, said, hey man, I'll chip in the first month of his salary. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. Uh, let me just say, whether you're a single mom and you got 10 bucks or you got $10,000, my hope is that all of us could play a role in, in stepping forward. Not so much for the money's sake, but for your heart's sake. Because my hope is that God would use your step of faith, your generosity to, to, to change our hearts, to, to, to help us to grasp that we can trust Him even in this arena of our finances. And then thirdly, we're going to split this, these resources up and it will also go towards our homeless ministry of continuing to pro, uh, provide help and assistance to uh, many, many families who are in need this year. You already know about the leave a blanket or bring a blanket, leave a blanket with our Christmas Eve service. So it'll be another way we help. Now, most of you, you don't write checks anymore. Most of you don't break, carry a checkbook. Uh, so we have multiple ways that you can give which don't really assist the box, right? Uh, we have a new app. You can give online through our app. It's a very simple, uh, dummy-proof way to do it and very effective and very safe. I encourage you to consider what you would do, not just today, but throughout the end of this season of giving a gift larger to Christ, to the church, than you do yourself. Now, the reason we have a box up here, obviously, is visual purpose. But second is this. Every year, my family and I, as they've gotten older, not, they're not all around. This, this weekend, my wife and my oldest daughter is out of town. But what we have done in the past is we've grabbed our kids, and sometime through the end of our service, even, you know, maybe even tomorrow, the next day or next week, grab your kids and just model. Hey, kids, let me tell you, as a family... For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we're going to trust God and we're going, to, we're going to write a check or we're going to give online or we're just going to leverage that we remember it's all about Jesus. It's not about us. Because at any moment, He could come back and life would be over. And we want our family, we want our home to recognize that it's all about Him because He's all about us. And so as we consider this uh, time of the year and this gift offering. I want to end with this. If you're a guest here, take a big deep breath. We don't want anybody to feel like they're on the hook. Uh, if, if you're a regular around here, 
we don't want you to give out of guilt. We really do want every person here to say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? God, I'll do what you lead me to do, and you guys do whatever that is. And I'll pray that God blesses you back so much so that you can continue to be a blessing. Let's pray. Lord, as these host teams come forward, and as we consider what we'll do today and throughout the, the, the rest of this year, God, as it is a perfect time to, to just kind of remember you, God, would you powerfully work in us and powerfully work in every man and woman child in this city. I pray, God, that our church would be on fire because of our faith. And God, I pray you'd help us to be effective to reach this city because of our efforts and our generosity. Lord, we love you.